are now tuned in to Discover Your Potential with TV radio talk show hosts Dan Gilman and Anna DeVere. So listen, participate, and be inspired. Know that you can discover your potential. Here they are, Dan and Anna. Hi, I'm Dan Gilman, and welcome to Discover Your Potential. I'm so excited for you to be here. I'm one of the co-hosts of Discover Your Potential, and we have a transformational figure who is incredible. I've had him on our show at least twice. Uh, his name is Rex Sykes, and after a life-threatening skydiving accident, actually, which you probably remember from our last show, he devoted four decades to personal growth and empowering others. And as a master of NLP, hypnotherapy, whole brain learning, he's innovative, break, ground, groundbreaking techniques and established himself as a versatile professional, influencing fields from speaking to coaching to acting to filmmaking. And I would just want to bring him up because he's so incredible. Welcome, Rex. Thank you so much for being here today. Well, thank you, Dan, and thank you, Anna, for having me here. This is really a, a treat for me, too, and, and wonderful. I, I look forward to our, our conversations together. Uh, absolutely. Um, I know, hearkening back from our last conversation that we had a while ago, we talked about pivotal moments. Um, I would love to, and this is something I you know, talked to you about briefly, but what was a pivotal moment in your life? life when you realize the power of mindset in manifesting your desires well, or manifesting desires. One, I talk about that in my book, you know, the, the uh, crowning event where, I, you know, I lost everything, my almost my life, my uh, romance, my friends, my business, my career, everything. And uh, I had to claim it all back. And so I locked myself in my apartment for six weeks, sat in a chair and said, I'm not going to move. I did go to the bathroom and I did get some food, but I said, I'm not going to move until I can you know, find a way to to evolve myself or change myself to get out of this horrible place and into a place where I felt confident to go out and and, and um, face the world again, and then and then get my life and my career and everything back. And so, the moment came in when I was sitting in this chair. I mean, there's there's so many moments in life, and I always tell everybody make your I make all of your moments magical, memorable, miraculous, and magnificent because you can. And so while I'm sitting in this chair, I realized at that time I was going, why did this happen to me? How come I'm so stupid? Why does nothing work out? I'm such a loser, blah, blah, blah. How long is this going to take? What do I have to do? And all this, you know, and how hard is this going to be? I realized I was asking myself questions that I didn't care to know the answer for. What I wanted to know is how could I be confident quickly and how could I win my friends back soon and how could I feel good now and what was you know what were my talents and resources that I could begin to draw upon in order to make my life different and when I realized the difference between directing my mind into the gutter or the sewer versus directing my mind into possibility and an opportunity uh, everything changed and within a short period of time after that I, I emerged kind of like a butterfly from the cocoon or like a newborn, you know, a toddler, really, I, I, I went out into the world, but I went out into the world with a new found confidence, I had literally transformed the energy of negativity into an into an energy of positivity. And that opened the door for all sorts of things. Shortly thereafter, I was meditating one day lying on the ground. And I realized that I was on the planet for a reason that that whether you're here a million times, or you're here one time, 
you know, you have an opportunity and most people miss it. You know, we, we, we become a, a slave to our jobs and a slave to our bad thinking and a slave to bad feeling and bad talk and, and, and bad habits and everything else. And we don't, we don't celebrate, you know, the, the, whether you believe it or not, the Garden of Eden story, you know, is we were put into this garden and we had a choice, the tree of knowledge or the tree of, of, uh, of life, right? And in the story, they chose the tree of knowledge. They chose information over life. And I went, I'm here to live. I'm here to take care of this garden. I'm here to enjoy everything in the garden. This is my party time. And I realized that, that if I'm going to live on the planet, I have to act like an owner of the planet. So I said, I own the planet. And of course, I live in Los Angeles, so I would tell everybody I own Los Angeles. And people get so mad at me. They go, "What? Why are you so egotistical? Why would you?" I go, "I have co-owners. I don't traipse through people's backyards. But if I'm going to be here in Los Angeles, if I'm going to be on the planet, it's mine. I'm a steward of it. I take care of it. I'm responsible for it. And so I'm responsible for each and every person on the planet as well. How can I contribute? How can I add value? How can I help people?" transform their lives so that they can make all their moments magical, memorable, magnificent, and miraculous. And so those are a couple of the crowning moments that I've had. That's great. Anna, did you want us? No, I relate to everything you just said. You know, I, um, I, uh, I've had those shifts like Wayne Dyer talks about the shift and, uh, and sometimes it's just speaking your intention out loud. Boy, do I have stories about, speaking the wrong intention and realizing life is a merciless mirror of your attitude. And, you know, it's, it's our, it's our grand potential that scares us. It's not being small. It's knowing we can literally flip that squit switch. So I'm fascinated like you. I, I think I was at the UCLA medical campus when I first found myself talking to a tree in that shift moment, just saying, I'm done with BS work. I'm just going to work with the angels of light. And didn't even know what was coming out of my mouth. And man, did things shift rapidly. So for better or for worse, we're always manifesting. Oh, absolutely. Always, absolutely. always. Absolutely. That's what people just don't get. Uh, my my early work, which I've continued ever since, has been on the placebo and, and the power of the placebo effect. Now, a lot of people think that means the pill or an amulet or something. It's not. It's the effect of our beliefs on our life and how, how whether we have a wonderful life or not so wonderful life. You know, it's been it's been uh, Travis Air Force Base. We might have talked about in the other shows, but Travis Air Force Base did a study with cancer patients uh, way back when uh, 157 patients. They said that they did. They determined that attitude towards the treatment of the disease was a better predictor for successful outcome of the of the, the disease than the severity of the disease itself. Mm-hmm. So what does that tell you? It tells you that attitude is everything. In fact, since then. It's been determined that attitude is the number one predictor for success in all the areas of your life. That's health, wealth, happiness, spirituality, business, personal, romance, whatever it is. Your attitude really does determine your altitude. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're on the top of a positive mindset, and I had a question about that. So especially right now, many people struggle with maintaining a positive mindset consistently but I wanted to ask you, like, what strategies do you use to maintain yours or especially during tough times? Um, I would call it the Arnold Schwarzenegger strategy. <laughs> and I just made that up for the moment. It, it, <laughs> That's great. If you, if you want to have a. I was going to call him. Yeah. Hello. Uh, <laughs> Arnold. Have, 
<laughs> I, I'll be back. If you want to have, you know, a consistent outcome, like if you want to have a sculpted body, like the bodybuilders who, who shape their body, they get, you know, and they compete professionally. They have to sleep right, eat right, and do the right amount of exercise to condition themselves and to sculpt their body over time. So they have to repeat correctly these behaviors, the, their thoughts, their feelings, their the words, and the behaviors of, of exercise, sleeping right, and and doing other things consistently for long enough in order to develop that that body, that shape. Mm-hmm. What happens with a lot of people is they see movies like The Secret, and it's beautiful, it's wonderful. They see, you know, these books like Thinking for Rich and everything, and they don't consistently apply what they learn. They read about it, they think about it, they talk about it, they want to change, they wish to change, they hope to change, but they don't consistently apply themselves. In order for you to transform, you have to take it just as if you were to lose weight or to gain weight, to build muscle or to do anything in life. It requires correct repetition consistently, persistently for long enough until you have that as a ultimate, as a habit. And once it becomes a habit for you, it's automatic and it's reliable. You don't have to think about it anymore. It has its own momentum and it's there for you with a whole lot less effort. In other words, it's easier to manage once you get there, that it is sometimes for people to get there because our our culture, especially in the U.S., teaches us that if first you don't succeed, you try and try again, right? So what's what's after that second try? You quit. You give up. It's three strikes and you're out. And and we don't have the notion that you know if it's to be, it's up to me. And so you do it. Now here's the thing: when you take responsibility and you take charge. And you say, you know what? I'm tired of living this way. I'm going to live that way. I'm tired of being broke. I want to have money. I'm tired of being lonely. I want to have a romance. I'm tired of being ill health. I want to be healthy. And, you know, when you make a decision that you're going to do this, come what may, no matter what, I am responsible a thousand percent for what happens in my life. That's when transformation happens, because at that moment you set an intention, you go, I'm a deliberate creator. I'm not a victim of the world or of other people or even of my own bad habits. I am the person in charge. And when you decide to be in charge, that's kind of like when Moses parted the Red Sea. You know, he had to act on faith and the seas parted. I you know it's an allegory, of course, but the point is the same thing happens in our in our lives. When we decide that we are the creator for our life. We are the attractor for our life. We are the manifester for our life. We are the person, you know, doing this. Then everything conspires. The universe conspires because you and I are no different than the universe. We're all one. There's only energy. There's all one. It's kind of like a diamond has 57 different facets, but it's still the diamond, right? It's just different aspects of it. So we're all one beautiful energy. And when you do that, you summon that energy you release the energy from yourself, from inside, from your head, from everything, the subconscious, the infinite intelligence, and you begin to move through the world completely differently. So as um, someone mm-hmm. said, if you want your life to change, you have to change some things in your life. And the first thing you have to do is activate your attitude. Nice. Yeah. I, actually, I had another question that kind of follows that, but it you pretty much answered it. I was just going to ask, like, how do you differentiate between wishful thinking and effective manifesting? But you, I think you pretty much answered that one. Well, 
Henry Ford said two important things. We may have talked about them previously, but you know, everybody knows the one quote, which is, if you think you can or you think you can't, you're correct. You're right. Because mm-hmm. if you think it's going to be hard, it's going to be harder than if you thought it was easy. And if you think it's easy, it may be harder than you thought it was, but it's going to be easier than it would be if you think it's hard. I mean, it's, it's, it's this kind of weird thing. But people have to give themselves the possibility of being different. And yeah. typically people operate within a set, you know, comfort zone. They, they, we operate through our mental habits and our physical habits, our speech habits, our emotional habits. You know, we, we, we are the same. And there's a reason for that because our brain wants to keep us the same so that we survive and that we thrive. It looks for dangers in the world so that, you know, we can avoid them. And, and it looks for nowadays, you know, somebody looks at you wrong or, or says the wrong thing to you. We take that as a threat, but that's so, so, so that you survive. It's, it's, it's a gift. I mean, when you think about it, the very fact that the brain is looking for things to, that might eat you or devour you metaphorically or otherwise yeah. is a gift. And then it wants you to replicate. It wants you to have sex so that you pass on your genes so that the world continues to populate. And, and during that, it wants you to have a really wonderful life. So if you learned bad habits, that's all the brain knows. Hmm. The brain goes, I will do this repeatedly and do this repeatedly, keep you consistent within this zone of, of behaviors. In order to change, you have to be able to step outside that zone. And that sometimes gets a little bit scary. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and there's a good reason for that, too, because when it gets a little bit scary, these things are coming up so that you can release them. So you can yeah. recognize, hey, here's a fear. Here's a belief. Here's something that's not serving me. And I can let it go and I can move forward. But most people are conditioned to go, oh, my gosh, you know, this is terrible. It's horrible. I can't do it. I doubt myself. And so if they think that way, as Henry Ford would say, you're correct. If you're fearful, frustrated, angry, hostile, if you wish and you hope, you know, that's all you're going to end up doing. So Ford said something that I find even more profound. That was, I never let what I cannot do prevent me from doing what I can. Yeah, that's incredible. And yet most people do. So yeah. I'll wrap it up with this. Muhammad Ali said, you know what? I hate training. There are days that the last thing I want to do is get out behind a car. And Muhammad Ali at one time was, you know, world champion, one of the greatest boxers, you know, of all time said, I don't want to go train, mm-hmm. but I do train because if I want to be a world champion, I know I have to train. What a great statement you just made, Rex. I'm like, I'm thrilled with that uh, segment that we just heard from you. Thank you. Dan, Dan and I have talked recently about we understand a lot of the components of manifestation. I think most people understand it's about staying on the high flying disc. It's about setting your attitude. It's about, you know, the strangest secret is my favorite. Set your attitude, do the same things consistently. But, um, you know, one of the things that Dan and I have kind of pinpointed in our lives, at least, is really this belief. You know, faith precedes the miracle, but belief is the accelerator. And as Course in Miracles says, there's no order of difficulty in miracles. And it's just literally aligning with belief that gets you to things so much quicker. And I'm a big fan of embodying the belief, you know, like really putting it in your body and playing with the feeling of success. Um, And I've had to teach that to my kid, which, you know, if you've got a dog in that fight, boy, you know, attitude is everything for teaching our children. It's the thing. It's the thing and it's mental health right now. And I don't know anything more important to teach children than attitude. Oh, absolutely. Um, 
from the dawn of written history, you know, and, and before that, the practice has always been one of, of accelerating your ability to believe. Now, I don't even like the word belief, and I, do, I even less like the word faith, and yet it's something that's been used throughout. I prefer the word certainty mm-hmm. because, you know, you can have a belief and doubt it. You know, you can have faith and, and feel, you know, like, but if you're absolutely certain, that's, that's something else. So, you know, um, from the dawn of humankind, you know, and, and Napoleon Hill said it in many ways, in some ways the best. He said, you have to know what you want. You have to have a definite chief aim or objective. You need to make it a white hot obsession and you need to develop the faith or the certainty that you are going to do it. Mm-hmm. Then you have to do it and persist until you get it. And, and that is the formula. That's the, the, the down home simplest formula for manifesting anything that uh, that can be. And that is, you know, if you can conceive it and believe it, you can achieve it. And he also added that when people said, well, why didn't you say you will achieve it? He said, because I don't know what you're going to do with it. You know, that's up to you. If you can you can not do anything with what you know, with the formula that you have or you can do something with it. So if you if you're going to achieve it, that's up to you was why by going back to Henry Ford saying, I never let what I cannot do prevent me from what I can. So one of my favorite lessons, uh, there's a couple of them, but uh, out of Think and Grow Rich is the, the lesson of uh, Edward C. Barnes, who wanted to be uh, Thomas Edison's business partner. And Hill says what started as a wish became a white hot obsession until he finally jumped the freight train dressed as a hobo because he didn't have any money to get to Edison in New Jersey and put him on notice that he was going to be Edison's partner. And Edison looked at him and said, I got a job for a janitor in my warehouse. You can have that. And he reportedly also said that there was something in the eyes of Edwin C. Barnes that, that caught his attention. He said, I, I know enough to take those people who have that look seriously, that this mm-hmm. is a person who's got something on the ball. And so for five years, if, if you read the book, Thinking Grow Rich, in the very first chapter you're introduced this, he says for five years with no evidence that he would ever be a partner of Edison, nothing. He was just a lowly janitor. Barnes continued to make his dream alive inside his mind. He lived as a partner. He kept it alive. He kept making it more and more important to him. He didn't give up. He didn't look at the circumstances around him and go, crap, I'm a janitor. I'm never going to get anywhere. Look at these people are here and they're there. Everybody's succeeding but me and I'm just a janitor. I wanted to be a, he didn't get go there. He, he kept this alive for five years. And after five years, an opportunity arose where they were trying to move a dictaphone, a dictograph, a, you know, of, of Edison, and it wasn't selling. And the salespeople didn't like it, said, we can't sell this. And Barnes said, I'll sell it. And Edison gave him a shot. And the rest was history. He, he sold it. He did great. He became a partner of Edison and fulfilled his dream and retired a very rich man in Florida. So, you know, it is that kind of thing. Now, the problem with modern day thought leaders is they have you chase a dream so they stand in front of their roles, they stand in front of their jets and their mansions and rental or otherwise owned or otherwise. And they say, if you want these things, you can have these things. You just have to work really hard and you have to struggle and you have to risk and you have to take massive action. You have to do all these things and then you can have them. And then once you have them, you will be important. You will be successful. You will be loved. You will be, well, it's the other way around. It's be it first as Barnes demonstrated do it, and then you can have it. So I wrote the book Life on Your Terms to show you an easy, happy, fun, delightful way to be happier, healthier, wealthier, and more successful 
you know, mentally, physically, behaviorally, emotionally, spiritually, financially, personally, in every, in every, you know, aspect of your life, because you don't have to sacrifice. You don't have to, you can certainly, but you don't have to, you know, you don't have to be pushing the boulder up the hill in order to get ahead. Manifestation is easy. And what happens is if you realize that you, like I did, was I was an expert at, man at manifesting crap. I was a pro crap manifester. I was crap. I can relate in my life, you know, and I decided I wanted to manifest good things. I wanted to manifest positive things. I wanted to manifest the life I wanted. I wanted to stop manifesting crap and start manifesting goodness. And you can too. It's yeah. easy and it's simple. Uh, I'll show you how in the book and, um, and attitude has everything to do with it. Yeah, definitely pick up the book. It's called life on your terms. I'm, I'm definitely going to put a, push a support on that on social media, of course. Well, I appreciate so, that. Thank you. Um, I know, you know, people are going to read the book, of course, but yeah, I don't know if it's possible. Can you share a, like a manifestation exercise that you believe doesn't get enough attention, but has significant benefits? Or is that something yeah, they have it's, to... it's really an interesting thing because um, I used to, I used to do these manifestation challenges with people. I say it, and I hate the word challenge. So, it's manifestation opportunity because challenge rock climbers like a challenge of climbing the rocks, but most other people call problems challenges as a way of reframing it, but they still mean problems. So manifestation opportunity as opposed to a manifestation challenge is um, so one of the things that I used to do, and, and I'll tell you a quick little story about it too, um, is that you pick something that is not likely to happen. And, and I'm sure other people do this probably Wayne Dwyer did it and other people, but the point is you pick something that, that isn't likely to happen or that you're not likely to see in the world and say, uh, give yourself 24 hours or 48 hours or more or, or less in order for yourself to see that. Now, some people say, well, parking spots or, you know, somebody buy me coffee or something. Okay. Pick something that you don't expect to ever encounter, but isn't impossible. Right. Pick something that could happen. So I, as an example, I chose um, I was I was I'm a filmmaker. I'm an actor. I've been doing that professionally since, also since I was a teenager. And I was I was part of a, a film festival. I was hosting a film festival. And so I um, I thought goldfish. I will never see goldfish in the three days that I'm in the film festival. It's, you know, it's not going to not going to happen. And so the first uh, night out, uh, they wanted to go to a store. And I thought, well, if I go in there, I might see, you know, something that had to do with goldfish. So I'm not even going to do that. So I, I, I went and stayed in the festival. I had given myself 24 hours to manifest goldfish. So that day and the next day, I'm getting to about 5 o'clock p.m., which was the, the deadline. And I've got about 10 minutes and I've not had anything to do with goldfish. And so I'm going, wow, you know, is this going to happen in the next 10 minutes? And I'm watching a movie and I'm in the back of the, in the back of the theater and I have my laptop because I'm also discussing the film festival online with people. And I thought, I want to figure out who these actors are. So I go to IMDB and I look up the actors mm -hmm. and I scroll through the, the female actor and I see her credits. I'm like, oh, this is cool. And I go to the male actor and I scroll through his credits. And the third one down is Goldfish was a short movie that he made. <laughs> I had 
six minutes left by that time. And there was goldfish. I went, oh, my gosh, thank you. I was like, wow, I manifested something to do with goldfish. So the next day I leave the festival and I come back to Wisconsin where I had to, a film shoot that I was doing. And I invited a woman friend of mine to meet me there. And so we were shooting at with a university. And so I got to the university and we and I had told her this story and we walked into the thing and, and they said, hi, Rex, how you doing? This is great. Would you like some snacks? And they handed me goldfish. <laughs> so for like a week, all I, I was surrounded by goldfish here, goldfish there, goldfish stories, goldfish pictures, goldfish. I mean, it was a, it was an, a, kind of an amazing thing, but that's the kind of thing that can happen. And the, the important point was that during those last 10 minutes, you know, if when it's not happening, there's a tendency for people to go, oh, my God, you know, this is never going to happen. It's over. It's done. It's stupid, whatever. You can't go there. You have to just go, OK. And if it didn't happen, it didn't happen. But but you can't lose sight of the fact that, you know, this is this is you're just putting something out there. When you start doing that, what you discover is that there's all sorts of little epiphanies, little miracles, little playful things in the world that can and will occur because what you do is you tune your attention to the to this being possible as to opposing as opposed to it not being possible. The same thing is true when it comes to your dreams and your goals. And by the way, I encourage you to 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 read Life on Your Terms, and the reason for that is because. It's about bridging the gap from where you currently are to where you truly want to be and and the, how you get there, the steps to getting there. And one of the things that is important to know is that if you live as if you're already there and you feel as if you're already there, you open the doorway for that already there to, to become available to you. If you always live as if it's off in the future or somewhere else, it will always be off in the future or somewhere else. You see, we are, you know, I've said earlier, we're energy. There's only one energy. You know, you can say it's positive or negative, but it's still one energy. It's like a battery has a negative and a positive pole. It's still just the battery. But here's the thing is the energy can't be created or, or destroyed, but it can be transformed or transmuted. But it is equally distributed throughout everywhere past, present, here, there, everywhere, because there is no past and there is no present. That's a human, time is a human construct. And here and there are human constructs. We look at it, say, I'm here and that's over there. That's part of the function of our language and, 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 and our, our neurology on the planet. But energy is one. It's just one. And you are part of that one. And I am part of that one. There's no difference. There's absolutely no difference. But we think there is because we've been born into this world as these kind of beings and we've been conditioned to think, here's what you have to do in order to live and here's how the world works and, and you're a cog and, you know, and all this kind of stuff and there's all these things that operate against you or this, that, and the other. And you don't have to buy into that if you don't want to. This, this, is, this is actually significant that you're bringing this up because I was, I've been dealing with this uh, in my current life uh, uh, right now. So this is very interesting where you talk about manifestation and I've already seen that happen, especially since my mother's passed away. I've seen things just open up worlds that I you know, can't explain, but certainly it's all about mindset. But could you, and I wanted to ask you, could you, sorry, and I don't know if you had a question, but could you speak about the role of gratitude in the process of manifestation and how that cultivating a positive mindset also impacts i can and if you would like me to i will <laughs> absolutely so, again 
But let me let me also say that, that you know, just about the book, because I've included stories and lessons oh, in the book that, I, that I've learned along the way. And there are stories of other people who have made great changes in their life, applying these kinds of principles and practices. Mm-hmm. My friend Jamie Nietzsche, who was paralyzed, never expected to walk, now walks and moves, fathered a couple of children. You know, he's an Olympic athlete who was paralyzed in an accident. You know, another person was in a coma, not able to communicate, found that they could communicate through arm signals and, and different ways of using neurological things. A uh, public speaker who was terrified of public speaking, couldn't move his arms, couldn't do, suddenly he's now a public speaker. You know, in other words, we, people think of manifesting like, poof, it's magic and it's there. But yeah. there's, there's real life stories of how people have used these practices and principles in order to make their life significantly better or more enjoyable or more delightful, not only for themselves, but also for other people. Sure. And gratitude is an important, important part, because if I have a saying, and that is, if you consider it a problem, it's a problem. And if you consider it a blessing, it's a blessing. So celebrate everything. Because if you're grateful for everything, then there's nothing that's an issue or a problem. Yeah. If you look at your problems and go, you know what, these, I, and I hate this phrase, I get where they're coming from, but it's either you win or you learn. No, if you're learning, you're winning. And if you're winning, you're learning, hopefully. You know, in other words, it's not one or the other. It's the fact that it can be both. And everything is an opportunity to win, to learn, and to succeed, and to live. Our, our People think that the hardship in life is, is there to hold us back. And I submit that the hardship in life is there to move you forward. It's there for you to recognize the things that are holding you back so that you can release and let go of them and move forward. And one of the most powerful practices that you can adopt and one of the most powerful attitudes that you can embrace is the attitude of gratitude. Because when you appreciate something, that appreciation appreciates. You know, it's like it's like compounding interest. The more you celebrate everything, you know, and people say, well, how do I do that? Well, you start by being as grateful as you can for all sorts of little things. Back in the early 80s, I did workshops and I still do them. But I mean, I would tell people at nighttime, I'd go write in a journal 25 things for which you're grateful for every night during the program. And the programs were sometimes 10 days, 15 days and 30 days long. And they'd go, 25 things I'm grateful for? Are you kidding me? How can I do that? I go, just try it. After two or three days, they go, could we write more? Could we write mm-hmm. more? And I go, of course you can write more. I'm just saying make, make 25 the small end of, of what you can do. And they didn't think, they thought at first I could never come up with that. You know, it was a stretch. But once you unleash the kinds of things you're grateful for, one of the most powerful experiences I ever had was I was lying down in meditation. And I like to put my head between speakers and zone out and the whole thing. And I'm lying down. And I realized I was 25 years old and I realized I had walked on the planet for 25 years and I had never thanked my feet for carrying me through all of the experiences, good experiences, not so good experiences, whatever you wanted to call them. I had my feet. I've injured my legs. You know, I've torn tendons. I've stubbed toes. I've twisted ankles. I've done all these things. And I never stopped to go, thank you, feet. And so I'm lying on the floor and I started to think, okay, I'm going to thank my feet. I thank my toes. I thank the joints in my toes. I thank my toenail. I thank the skin. I thank, you know, and I, and I went to get as specific as I could at everything. I thank the muscles and the fascia. I think the, the fluids in my feet. I think the, the tendons in, you know, and I go on and on and on. I went through the tendons. I got to the ankles. I got to my knees, my calves. And I exploded in this just kind of blissful thing. I went through my body. I thanked my, 
every muscle, every joint, everything, my eyes, my head, my brain, all of the systems, you know, the respiration system, the reproductive system, the elimination system, the respiratory system, the circulation. I mean, I just, just had this ball. I was there for hours, grateful. And I rose with this just incredible power of realizing we are walking miracles. We have these cells in our body that cooperate synergistically, simultaneously, you know, synchronistically, sequentially, all in all to keep us alive. And they emit light and they emit energy and they emit, you know, they can power a city block, you know, with light up that, you know, if we were to convert it and, and, and people think of themselves as, you know, oh, well, my life sucks. I'm going to go stick my head in a, you know, in, in a, in a bowl and eat some worms, you know, because I'm lonely or I'm broke or I'm this. Never let a thought defeat you. Hmm. And, and for 40 years, more than 40 years, I would open workshops going, what stops most people? And I would say, well, this and that and this and that. And it's a thought. It's a little mental wave packet of energy that is invisible. They go, I could never do that. And so they hmm. don't. I can't think that way. And so they don't think that way. A thought stops them. And you don't ever have to be stopped by a thought. But that's why Henry Ford said, if you think you can or you think you can't, you are correct. And why you should never be stopped by, by never be prevented or stopped by doing something that you could be doing. So I have a story about that because you've hit on this gratitude thing. And one of the most powerful um, exercises I've ever done came from the magic, you know, Rhonda Byrne. And um, it was about future gratitude or gratitude for things that you don't have, but you, you act as if. And so I was writing, you know, 10 of these a day, very excited. Oh, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then one day I stumbled on one and I had no attachment to this. So I had no expectation and my, my subconscious didn't reject it whatsoever. I wrote, I am so happy and grateful now I am a well-paid writer. And I threw it out there. I thought, well, what does that even mean? I'm an actor. You know, I've had all these lives, but I had no attachment to it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Within two months, I was a well-paid writer. And I mean, I mean, bigger than I could have imagined for myself. But again, it's like, wow, talk about, you know, sidestepping the belief. And I love what you said about white hot enthusiasm, because that's what it felt like. It was like, wow, that feels incredible. Well, that's so beautiful, beautiful. That's absolutely, absolutely gorgeous story. And and those are those kind of defining moments where, mm. you know, people, people, it just, you know, we've been conditioned to just not think of how cool we truly are or how cool the world is or how cool the universe is and how magical and delightful it is. And, and it really is. And, and yet all of the messages from media and politicians and religion and family and friends, well-intentioned and otherwise, tend to be, it's a cruel, hard, cold place, blah, 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 blah. You need to be realistic. You know, when we were children, I mean, what's the worst thing you can say to a, an adult right now? You're acting like a child. And yet... <laughs> The Bible says, unless you become as little children, you don't enter the kingdom of heaven. So gratitude for those things you don't yet have is, is absolutely because you, you, in order to behave in a reality, you first must conceive of the reality. That's why Henry Ford, or why Napoleon Hill said, if you can conceive it and believe it, then you can achieve it. So in order to behave in a reality, in order to be a well-paid writer, you first have to be able to conceive it and enter that reality first, and then it opens up to become a reality in the everyday world. Mm. And a lot of people make the mistake of identifying with their circumstances. And I've heard yes. it said that it's like going on a trip, your intention, you set the GPS and you're driving from Vegas to San Diego and you're going down the road. You think, well, I'm on the path. And then I go, oh, 
I didn't see the ocean yet. Well, <laughs> then you turn around and go home. That's just insane. But that's what most people say. I don't see the ocean. So I'm not on the path. And, you know, shortening the gap between white hot expectation and, you know, I'm sure it's happening. And here it is, is just a matter of that. Like, don't get in your way. Don't mess it up. Well, the key with having a white hot obsession or certainty is that you convince yourself that this is happening. Not that it will happen, not that it might happen, not that it could happen, not that you want it to happen, that it's happening, that this is the reality. And mm -hmm. our job is to convince ourselves of that. People say, oh, wait a second, now you're, now you're believing in stuff that isn't real. No, you're, what you're doing is saying, I'm transmuting this thought of me being this way into a reality. I am making it happen by first imagining being there. I'm, I'm using my childlike imagination and my good feelings to feel wonderful and alive. You know, children learn more as children before they get into school than they will ever learn the rest of their lives in school. And the reason for that is they're curious, they're fascinated, they're playful, they're delightful, they're, they're exploring, they're willing to do things. They chase butterflies, they do this, they dive into things that they shouldn't be doing. And the parents come out and go, stop that, don't do that, wait a second. Now you have to sit in the desk and be real. Don't fidget. And, you know, and so we've gotten all these messages that have stunted our, our spiritual and, and emotional and, and mental development. Mm -hmm. yeah, and, and then what happens is our words reflect that. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't think it. It don't happen. Don't, you know? And so the power of gratitude, the power of your imagination, the power of that faith, that certainty, and of, of, of as, as um, Neville Goddard, I think, said it's best, you live from the feeling of the wish fulfilled. You know, mm -hmm. it's for eons prior to Neville Goddard, but, but he said it in such a succinct way, you know, is that, if you are living as if it's already occurring, then you're thinking, speaking, behaving, and and all of that as if you already have it. Then it opens that up so that you can have it. Actors know this. I'm an actor. You're you're singer. You know, they rehearse for six weeks for a play in order to make it appear on opening night as if it's happening for the very first time. But yet they've memorized their lines. They memorized where they're supposed to stand and stop and what they're supposed to pick up and where they are. They keep rehearsing it and rehearsing it and rehearsing it. We act as if we practice, we rehearse in our mind. We can rehearse with our speech by affirming it and saying it and declaring it. Because what's the alternative? Mm -hmm. I am either wonderful or I'm not. I'm mm -hmm. either positive or I'm not. I have, I have, a, I have a, a very poignant way of saying that it's dog shit or diamonds hmm. or if you have to if you have to if you have to edit dog crap or diamonds the point is <laughs> is that it's a choice mm -hmm. and you know what a lot of people wallow in dog crap mm -hmm. because they don't know any better so it's people like you and people like me and those who are here to say there's a better way to live there's an easier more wonderful incredible way to live and you can live it, you can make it happen, you can make your dreams come true. If you just create that opening for yourself to do that, mm. it's, it's not that hard. It's not hard at all in many ways, because as, as, as Anna was saying, it doesn't matter whether you're trying to, you know, the, a big dream or a little dream, it takes the same amount of energy. Mm. But people think it takes a different amount of energy. Yeah, for you mentioned, you know, we were talking about how people find it hard to believe the power of 
manifestation due to maybe disappointments or failures. But I'm just curious, like, what do you what do you feel the role of patience play in the process of manifestation, or how can one cultivate that? Because I think patience is also could be a part of that. Well, you know, it's it's the kind of thing that if you say you must be patient, has that ever has that ever made you feel better? be patient be patient i mean you know we, we want it now the thing is is that what happens for people often is that they if they don't get it in a time frame that they expect it they give up yeah throw in the towel they go i've tried everything well first off if somebody says i've tried everything you know they're full of bs this is impossible to try everything that's it's like, true. I have never slept in the past 40 years. I've not had a, I've not slept one night of sleep. You, you go, well, you'd be dead. You, you yeah. know, but people say, I never sleep at night. You know, I'm, I'm always up. I have insomnia. I've had insomnia for 40 years. Well, no, you did sleep. You don't remember the times you slept, but you remember the times that you're awake. And that's, and that's what people tend to do. They tend to, they tend to accentuate the, the negative instead of accentuating the positive. You have to, you have to be patient. In other words, uh, if you plant cucumber seeds tomorrow, you have to wait until the cucumbers grow in order to harvest the cucumbers. I mean, that's just the nature of things. So if you want to expect that there's a time frame, then just go whatever amount of time it takes is the perfect amount of time. Cucumbers take a certain amount of time. Watermelons take different time. Carrots take another time. Peas and beans take other time. Everything has its own cycle, its own growth. So if you're, if you're trying to manifest a million dollars, that could happen overnight or it could happen in 10 years. There's a, another wonderful story in Think and Grow Rich of a minister who, who, who wanted, he needed a million dollars and said, hmm. I'm going to do a sermon. And he, at the time, you know, there were newspapers. He said, I'm putting an ad in the newspaper so that I can get a million dollars. I'll have these people come to the sermon. And when he got to the to place to deliver his sermon, he realized he'd forgotten his, his script. He forgot his notes. He didn't have it. So he just spoke from the heart. It was, if I had a million dollars, this is what I would do. Well, after his speech, this gentleman came up to him and he'd been wanting this for a long time, but he said, I got to have it this week. Right. And so he set a deadline for himself. This guy came up, it was armor of the famous armor meat pack in, in Chicago and said, um, I liked your sermon. Meet me this week and I'll bring you the million dollars. I'll give you the million dollars. And you can check this and you can check it online. The story is true. Right now. He tried and tried and tried for a long time to get a million dollars. But when he finally said, I want it by this week, and he went out and he did something and said, I'm going to do this sermon. And he put the ads in the paper and he went out. And then when he didn't have his notes, he didn't panic and go, oh, my gosh, I can't do this. He just spoke from the heart. At that moment, there was somebody there who said, I got a million dollars for you. So you yeah. never know. Yeah. You just never, ever know. But if you assume True. that it could never happen, it's not probably going to happen. If you say it's going to take five years, it's probably going to take five years or longer. Yeah. But if it could happen now, because it's only now, because five years from now, you're going to be in the present then. It's, you're, you're here now. You know, Time is a human construct. We think of the planets being around for billions of years. They haven't been. They have for us in terms of our time, but not in terms of universe time. There is no universe time. Yeah, there's only the present to the universe where and wherever it's expanding to is it's you know, we can't fathom that we can't think of, you know, infinite time and space. And, you know, we, how do you, you can't you can begin to appreciate it because we're finite beings in this form. So 
you know, if you expect a miracle, you can have your miracle today or you could have it in 10 years. Whenever it shows up will be the perfect time. Mm. So patience means think of the Bible. And, and, and for no other reason than it's got a lot of different stories and a lot of people are familiar with it. In the Bible, almost every miracle that precedes when God says he's going to do something, he tells them, Noah, I'm going to flood the world. So you got to build an ark and you got to get all these animals. You got to do it. And so Noah starts building an ark and everybody around him thinks he's a nutbag going, what are you doing? It's uh, what the gates said. Well, God told me to build an ark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's always 40 cubits, this and this and that. And the other. I've got yep. to do this thing because God's sitting there like, you're all right. Well, whether it's true or not, the point is he had to operate on faith. In the Bible, it would say, dig the ditches and then the rain will come because people would be praying for rain. He goes, dig the ditches and we'll make the rain come. Until they dug the ditches, the rain wouldn't come. You know, the walls of Jericho come tumbling down. How do they do that? By blowing a horn and making loud voices and sounds. There was always something that God said, here, do Moses got kicked out of getting into, into, into Canaan because he tapped the rock twice. God said, you want water to come out of the rock? Tap it once. And Moses went, boom, boom. And God said, wow, you didn't have enough faith to tap it one time. You had to, you had to hedge your bet. Okay, so you get to wander for 40 years and you don't get in. Mm. And it, just take it as an allegory. Take it as an allegory. You take it as, I mean, you can take it however you want. But as an allegory, what it's saying is whenever Jesus healed somebody, he said, your faith has made you whole. Mm. When Moses got kicked out, what was it? It was an act of no faith that got him kicked out. In other words, the Garden of Eden story is it's either the tree of knowledge of good and evil or it's the tree of life. And so many people choose knowledge over life. Mm. That's what. That's that's what, why so many people miss. They I gotta know how. If it doesn't work, I gotta think it out. So many people, the, the very thing that's causing them trouble is the solution to their problem because they think that's the only thing that will save them. And so they don't have all the other things that could possibly save them available to them because they're so narrowed on their focus of this is it, this is it, this is it. And not only that, but they they then go historically, I've been a bozo. Historically, I've not made money. Historically, I've screwed up, you know, my past. That's why the, the, the famous saying, your past does not equal your future. The moment you make a powerful decision that I can do this, as opposed to I've done it that way all my life. When you decide to make that change and take responsibility and put yourself in the driver's seat, that's when you can go anywhere you want. Mm. And Anna said on the journey, when I was a child, and I know a lot of people did this, I would lie down on the floor of my parents' car on a travel trip and go, are we there yet? 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 Are we there? I hated my son does that. Uh, I, and I hated traveling. And I, and I used to travel a lot. And I'd go, I don't mind getting there. I don't, I would say, like, I don't mind being there. I hate getting there. I hate airports. I hate planes. I hate getting to the airport. I hate the whole thing. Well, here's the thing. All of life is a journey. Yeah. And if you're in the journey going, am I there yet? Am I there yet? Am I there yet? When this will end? I hate the travel. I hate the this. The destination doesn't matter. You might die on the way to the destination. Many people do. They don't get to complete their life. Or the destination may change. So you might, all you have is the journey. So you might as well celebrate the journey. Mm. And then if you get to the destination, great. But if you don't, you're celebrating, you're grateful, you're happy, you're thrilled, you're blessed all along the way. Mm. But the journey, and here's, here's where I differ from the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. That first step begins here. And that's to go on that journey of a thousand yeah. miles. The second step is on the earth. And then the subsequent steps that you make are because this says go. 
Now, how you get there is more important in many cases than getting there. Yeah. That's what I need to do. Celebrate the journey. Yeah. Yeah. And the, hardship, and the hardship. I mean, this is why I say celebrate everything. The hardship is there not to be hard or to stop us, but so that we can release more and more and more of the things that have traditionally held us back mm. so that we can get free, so that we can learn, and so that we can celebrate. So, it, it, you know, the saying, if you resist, what you resist persists. Yeah. If you resist the hardship. If you resist the people, if you go, there are energy vampires out there and I have to se segregate myself from them. You're making them more important than you. And you're making mm. their energy bigger than yours. You know, you're now a victim of their, you know, vampirism instead of you being in charge or you celebrating at all. I don't, you know, it, what is, is if you raise your own vibration, the right people will stay with you and the other people will fall away. Yeah. You know, you don't have to push things away. You don't have to, you don't have to go, I'm cutting off my family, you know, that kind of thing. You just raise your own vibration, and if they don't like it, they'll they'll leave. No, just, I've mm -hmm. seen that lately. That's brilliant. Um, Dan, you and I have some examples. We don't have to tell them right now, but we've done we've taken some incredible leaps lately. Where I just feel really proud to know that uh, create some ridiculous goals. You know, this white hot obsession, and I can't wait till the next time we talk to you, Rex, because I think Dan and I have been sort of changed by this conversation. Absolutely. We know we've done some excellent things in the last 30 days, right? But where we go from here is we're going to need a telescope, right? Like, we're yeah, going to need a telescope. Awesome. But some really extraordinary things within 30 days. It's incredible. Talk about, mm -hmm. you know, the patience. But I do have one quick other last question for you that I think impacts people who are parents. And how can parents foster a positive and manifestation-oriented mindset in their own children from a young age and By i thought that's an example instead of talking about an example bingo if you be it the kids will model it that's what they get all their stuff from anyway so if you're a positive light source they'll start to pick it up you can instruct them later on but the idea is if you're living it they will ultimately live it if mm. if there's in their environment they will take it outside their environment and the world will do whatever the world will do but if you're steadfast in what you and who you are, then they can be steadfast in who and what they are. We have this thing about how we have to teach kids. You know what? Those kids are pretty darn cool the way they are until we teach them how not to be so cool. Hmm. Part of the educational system and part of societally upbringing, you know, in, in, in of every culture. So be, be, you know, Gandhi said, be the change you want to see in the world. It'll be the change for your children. And if you're not yet oh, there, have faith because you can be there and then, and then you can, you know, you can, you can play the games and share the stuff with your children from what you're learning, you know, with, with celebration and anticipation, but not, don't make it a, don't make it like a school session. Hmm. Brilliant. Well, thank you, Rex. Well, thank I've... you. And may I say one thing? Please. Cause we have the book behind me and you mentioned the book and I've uh, talked. Of course about you can say many things, not just well, if people do get the book especially they can get it anywhere, but if they get it from Amazon and they go to rexsykes.com right there, uh, my website actually is forward slash book on it. But if they go there, yeah, there you go. Um, I will, I will gift them a bonus training. It's $497 in value. So for your viewers, your listeners, your watchers who go and get the book, they'll get a $497 valued training 
on mastery on how you can master your mindset, your emotions, your behaviors, your speech, and any skill or talents that you want more easy and fast and quickly and how it all works together for good. So, um, and that's because I want people who, who have the book to also have the training. Cause I think, I think you'll love both. Absolutely. Wow. Well, thank you thank so you. much. Wow. Cash and prizes. I mean, how unexpected and wonderful. Thank you. And so Dan, here's what you do. If you got the book from Amazon, you go take your receipt code, you put it in the special place at that website, you'll get access to the training. Oh, great. Excellent. I have, it's automated. So I have nothing that I can do one way or about it, but, but it is, it is there for anybody who wants it. That's great. I'm looking forward to it. Well, thank you. Well, thank yeah. you so much, Rex. So is, is it, it true? Oh, pleasure. Thank you. Yeah. Is there any last parting information or anything that you might want to say before we end this episode? Yeah. Much love, peace and blessings. Celebrate everything. Activate your attitude and, and don't let the world stop you because you don't have to be stopped. You can move forward and, and make anything and everything happen that you want. And if that's okay. too big of a claim for you, then start it small and make it as much as you're comfortable with, but you'll do it and then you'll grow into it. Excellent. This is Cindy Gilman and you're listening to Discover Your Potential. So until next time, do something nice for yourself, but do something nice for someone else. Something about gravity.